Kia ora. Uh, just give me a second to get set up here. Um, can you play the video, please? So this is one of the videos that Michelle talked about. It's the second one in the series. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. To understand the significance of Jesus' words, we need to hear the words of the two rebels who were crucified on either side of him. They both appeal to Jesus for salvation, but only one of them does this from a place of surrender. One of the rebels insults Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. What he's really saying is, you're not the Messiah, and you can't save yourself or us. He's choosing to hold on to his failed life strategy to the bitter end. By contrast, the other rebel surrenders instead of clinging to his life strategy. We can observe two important things that lie behind his surrender. One, he is painfully aware of his own wrongdoing. He says, we are punished justly and we are getting what our deeds deserve. And two, he is positively aware of who Jesus is. He says to his fellow rebel, this man has done nothing wrong. And then he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The Lent journey to the cross and the empty tomb is about becoming like Christ. And this means learning to surrender like Christ did in the garden of Gethsemane and like the second rebel on the cross. It means learning to let go of our life strategy and our failures. It means continually recognizing Jesus and trusting the only one who can save. So can you renew the surrender of your life plan and renew your trust in Jesus? So I just want to echo what Michelle said. These videos, they're really short, but they're really good. And between now and Easter, we're going to be speaking on the seven sayings from the cross. And I'm speaking on this one. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I mean, wow. Um, okay. Uh, just collect my thoughts. So we're focusing in really focusing in on a, on a very particular moment in scripture. But to get there, I want to zoom right back out, all the way back out. So way back at the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he made them to be together, to be integrated, to this, this place of both physical and spiritual reality all in one. And he created people and he gave them authority, under his authority, to steward the earth, to care for it, to have dominion over it, to, to, to be responsible for this thing that he had made. It's, um, <clears throat> it's, 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 it's incredible to think that the creator of the universe would hand over authority like that to the people that he has made in his image. Uh, in, in humanity's uh, uh, uninfinite wisdom, we decided to rebel against that and not steward the earth under his authority. We decided to reject God and say, no, we can do it ourselves. We can rule over this thing. We don't need God to tell us or to, to, to lead us. 
And man, look at what we've wrought. Empire after empire after empire of suffering. And what we're seeing in Europe is just the continuation of that fallen way to try and lead the world, that fallen way that, result, that, 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 that is driven by power and greed and, and hatred. Empires of suffering throughout history. Climate change, mass extinction. I have to say, in terms of humanity doing a good job of ruling and having dominion over the earth in our own authority, I don't actually think we're doing a very good job, really. So, but God loves this creation that he made. He, he, he loves the people that he made, whether they are uh, in harmony with him or whether they are in rebellion. And so his grand plan is not to throw, throw it all away and start again. His grand plan is to renew all of this. If you go all the way to the end of Scripture, in Revelation, there's this new heaven and this new earth where God has renewed creation. He has taken away the consequences of rebellion. So the consequences of rebellion in the garden were sin and death. Death is the sign of sin, and sin is the result of rebellion against God. And so in this new heaven and new earth out here, there is no sin and no death, no pain and no suffering. A kingdom of peace rather than an empire of hurt, which is what we get today. And so then we zoom back in. So how is God going to undertake this rescue mission? What's he going to do? How is it going to work? For hundreds of years, thousands of years, there'd been all these signs. He'd worked through the people of Israel. He'd worked through the, the uh, King David. He'd worked through the judges. He'd worked through prophets, all calling and pointing to this new thing that God was going to do, this new creation, this renewal of the earth and, and the heavens. And... And this resurrection of the dead at the end of time. And so he'd been, there, there, there's, there, you can go through scripture and there are so many things that point to this moment. And so people were going, when is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? What is he going to do? And in that, there'd become the story of the Messiah that had built up in the people of Israel about this king who was going to come and rescue Israel. And this king was going to fulfill all these scriptures. Enter stage left, Jesus. And he, he comes. And there, there, Jesus was not the only person who claimed to be a Messiah in this time. Both before and after him, there were other people who uh, claimed to be the Messiah. But Jesus did something uniquely different to all of the others. All of the others were really looking at political uh, power. They were trying to fight the empire of hurt with their own empire of hurt. They were trying to fight violence with violence. They were trying to fight suffering with suffering. And they were trying to fight um, war with war. And there was this ambition amongst the Israelites that someone would rise up and kick the Romans out. And so 
So Jesus comes in and he, he has this life and this ministry where he's saying, no, the answer to violence is peace. The answer to suffering is sacrifice. The answer to war is peace. The answer to, to um, anger is love. The answer to hatred is love. And he, he, he walked this walk and he, he talked with people. He was this rabbi, he was this teacher. And he met with the people who were sinners. He, he met with the unclean. He met with, with, with all these people who good rabbis don't meet with. And this led to a confrontation. And all the time when he was doing this, he was talking about this new kingdom, this kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of God is near. And he was demonstrating what it looked like with miracles and with, with teaching and with how he lived and acted. And all of that brought him into confrontation with the authorities. And so if we look in Luke, where the saying is, we see Luke 23 starts with this confront, uh, with, well, starts in the middle of this confrontation. Jesus has been arrested. He's done nothing wrong, but he's been arrested by the temple guard. He's been taken before the council. And he's been mocked. He's been betrayed by his friends at this point. And he's taken um, before Pilate, who's the Roman governor, and Pilate investigates and goes, I don't see what this guy's done wrong. But then finds out that Jesus is from Galilee, so he goes, aha, I know how to get rid of this, and passes him off on to Herod, who's the ruler of Galilee. He goes over to Herod, and this is the point where I have to resist singing a song from um, Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, it won't be good for anyone, but I've been tempted all, all day. But this, so, so Herod peppers him with questions. It says he's, when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he'd been wanting to see him. From what he'd heard about him, he hoped, him to, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. Walk across my swimming pool. That was one, that's one of the lines from it. Prove to me that you're no fool. Walk across my swimming pool. Um, so that's from Jesus Christ Superstar, not scripture. Um, but the, so, and then Herod goes, oh, look, I don't think he's done anything wrong and sends him back to Pilate. And in the end, after a lot of pressure and a lot of, um, from the, from the crowd and from the Pharisees and everything, he gets turned over to the, um, to, to be crucified. Now, crucifixion is, is a brutal so, well, actually, before he's turned over to be crucified, he's also flogged, right, 40, 30, 40 times. Um, and that in itself sometimes killed people. And it's interesting that he says here, Pilate says, I see no, um, he says, I've examined him in your presence and, you, and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he has sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him to you. The punishing here is 40, being flogged 40 times with a whip of leather and with bone and, and metal stuck in it that both caused bruises and tore the flesh. And some people died from that scourging. So he's done nothing wrong at all, and yet Pilate's still going to flog him to within an inch of his life and then hand him back. But in the end, he hands him over to be crucified. And so we see that he gets taken out to the place of the skull. He gets crucified there between two other rebels now I was doing a bit of reading about this and 
apparently about 100 and 150 BC, uh, sorry, AD, there's talk, there's, this, there's a few things written that, that talk about these two rebels um, being called Dismas and Gestus. Now, I don't know if that's correct or not, but it's interesting enough, and it's, it's, I find it better to talk about them like, with, with a name rather than just two rebels, right? Because they, they were people too. People don't get to the point of being crucified as, you know, they're not just faceless, nameless people. They had lives. They were born into a system that left them downtrodden. They fought, they rebelled, they committed crimes, whatever they did to end up here. And uh, so we have this conversation, or not really a conversation, but this thing that happens on the cross, right? So Jesus is there. Now, one of the things with crucifixion is that it, mostly people die of suffocation. So it's not the being nailed to the cross that kills them. So you're hanging up like this, and your feet are nailed. And so your body's leaning forward, and you've got all this pressure on your hands or your wrist, and you've got nails through your feet as well. And so you push up. So what happens is liquid pulls in your chest cavity and starts to pull around your lungs, and it gets harder and harder to breathe. And so then, if you need to breathe, you have to push up against the nails through your feet to kind of get some uh, sort of stretching out so you can breathe and take air in. And so there's this constant, and then if you imagine you've been, you've, your back's been all scourged and beaten and is rubbing up against the, the, the tree or the, the, you know, the pillar behind you. And it usually takes a couple of days, it can take up to a couple of days for people to die like this. And so talking is hard work. Everything that Jesus said from the cross cost him. It hurt to talk. And so this uh, Gestas, the impenitent criminal, he's called, or rebel, as you saw in the video, basically mocks Jesus along with all the other people who are mocking him. You know, you can't save us. What are you doing? You're not the king of the Jews. You're not the Messiah. But Dismas sees something here. Now, I wonder, and this is just my speculation, I wonder if not, if there hasn't been a conversation, because it says in Mark and Matthew that both of the criminals mocked Jesus. But at some point, Dismas has a change of heart. And I wonder if Jesus, even though it cost him to say it, shared who he was with them. And then Justice goes, yeah, whatever. You're nailed to a cross. You can't be the Messiah. But Dismas, in that moment, sees something. And so when you look at what he, what he said, as it says in the, the video, he, re, he rebuked. So Dismas, the penitent um, criminal, rebukes Justice and says, um, don't you fear God? This is the first thing, right? Is that even though he's a criminal, even though he's being crucified by the Romans, and we don't know what for, they didn't crucify just anybody. They crucified the worst criminals, the ones they wanted to suffer the most. So he's probably a rebel. Uh, he's probably killed people. Um, but he says, don't you fear God? So in his heart, he still fears God. So that's the first thing in his favor, as it were. 
since you are under the same sentence. And then, as, as, as it was said in the video, we are punished justly. He knows what he's done. He knows his crimes. He knows his life. He recognizes his sinfulness. He recognizes that his efforts to take power with violence have failed. And so he, um, and then he says, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And so he asks, he, 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 there's this final hope. This guy is dying, right? There's this final hope in him. And he gets so much more than he, than he asked for, right? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. So the Jewish thought at the time was that at the end of time, when God renews the heavens and renews the earth, that then the resurrection will happen. And then um, that's when the kingdom will be established. But Jesus was doing something different. And so, he, so Jesus says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, so, so first of all, he's not waiting till the end of time. He's getting his reward now for his faith in Jesus. And when it talks about paradise, paradise was a Persian word, um, a Babylonian word for a lush garden, a place of rest. And so what he's going to get is this place of rest before the new heaven and the new earth come into being. So what does all this mean for us? So... There's, there's a, a, Jesus was a revolutionary, right? He was, in some sense, him being cru crucified as a revolutionary on one level is, is, is kind of true, right? He wasn't, he wasn't rebelling against the Romans per se or against, what he was doing was rebelling against the powers of darkness. He was rebelling against evil. But he didn't choose to fight evil with evil. He chose to fight evil with love. And with sacrifice. And so the, when, the question is, is, when did the revolution happen? Did the, rev, the revolution, and you know, one of the ways to think about this is, when were the disciples aware that the revolution happened? At six o'clock on Friday night, they were running for the hills. It was all over for them. But the revolution had happened. There on the cross, the powers of darkness, the powers of empire, the, power, the, the, the powers of evil were beaten on the cross. Sin was overcome on the cross. Jesus took all the sin of all the world, past, present, and future, on himself, on the cross. That sacrificial suffering paid the price for everything and his resurrection on Easter Sunday is proof that the battle has been won because the consequence of sin is death if death has been overcome sin has been overcome and so we have this moment right when the revolution happened and nobody noticed except this guy on the cross He's the first person to recognize the power of Jesus to intercede for people, to, 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 to be that place of intercession for people. 
And it's interesting that the, the, in, in, in one sense, the first person to recognize Jesus as being enthroned on the cross is a criminal who's being crucified. That just blows me away. <laughs> so, and on the cross, Jesus is pointing to the kingdom that's being established now. It's not happening. I mean, it will happen in its fulfillment in the new heaven and the new earth. But actually, that kingdom is inaugurated now at that moment on the cross. The opportunity that we have to come to the cross and surrender, like you said in the video, so that we lay down our failed life strategies, which inevitably are born out of our brokenness and our sinfulness, to lay those things down and place them before Jesus at the cross and take up his life strategy for us. That happened. That, 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 that was available from that moment. Salvation comes through the cross. Comes to us through the cross. And uh, it's not just that I don't... Um, you know, there's this idea that people talk about called penal substitution, right, where the, like the, the penalty has been paid. So Jesus paid the penalty, therefore we're not penalized. That's absolutely a part of the cross, but it's so much more than that. Because we are not just saved to go off to some other place at some point when we die. We are saved to be his agents of his kingdom in this world now. If you cast your mind towards the new heaven and the new earth and go there's a place of peace a kingdom of peace a kingdom where people are fully realized and 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 fully loved and a place where there is um no sickness no hurt can we be agents of that kingdom today because that's the the blessing we get from the cross as jesus takes away our sins and and makes us right to live in that world he says can you live in that world today and be a champion for that world now? So the, when I think about the cross, when I think about salvation, what are we going to do with it? It's not about what, it, it, well, I was going to say, it's not about what we're being saved from. It is about what we're being saved from. We are being saved from darkness. We're being saved from sin. We're being saved from um, you know, suffering and, and, and sin. But what are we being saved to? What are we being saved for? We're being saved for the kingdom, for the new heaven and the new earth. And we're being saved to be agents of that kingdom now, today. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, so... I didn't really think about how to wrap this up. Um, I think that the opportunity we have before us today is to reflect, and we're going to have this opportunity over the course of Lent, to reflect on the cross. You know, the cross, as, as James talked last week, the cross is about forgiveness. The cross is about salvation. The cross is, a, so that's this week, right? The cross is about salvation. The cross is about how you overcome the powers of darkness, not with darkness, but with sacrificial love. That is the kingdom of God.
It turns everything on its head. You don't fight fire with fire. You fight fire with water, right? You fight, you know, you don't fight um, violence with violence. You fight violence with love. Um, that's a tough path we are called to walk. It's not easy. And we can only do it in his strength, with his spirit to lead us and guide us and empower us through that. So um, what I'd like to do is close in prayer if you stand with me. Jesus, we thank you that you are a place of refuge for us, that you're a strong tower and a protector. We thank you that you took that job so seriously that you gave yourself for us on that cross, that you suffered the humiliation and the torture and the torment of that so that you could make a way for us to be agents of the kingdom of God, to be people who are made for love. And we ask now, Lord Jesus, that you would send your spirit, that you would come, Holy Spirit, and that you would be with us, that you would let us know that you're there, let us sense your presence today, and as we go out, as we go out to be your agents, to be your people, to be the children of God in this world. In these dark times where light is needed, help us to be light. Help us to be, in, this, in these times of despair, help us to be hope. In these times of isolation, help us to be unity and community. Come, Holy Spirit, and walk with us and, and keep us and guide us and shepherd us through the days to come, through the week, the days and the weeks to come. We thank you so much for your sacrifice, Jesus. We thank you so much for all that you've done for us and all that you're doing and all that you will do. And, I, and Lord, I ask for your blessing upon everyone, everyone here and everyone watching online. Just, again, let us know. Show us that you're here. Show us that you're with us and that you're for us as we walk through our days. In your precious name, Jesus, amen.